Good evening. I'll tell you what, it's somewhat intimidating when you have a husband like I do who studies. You know, I, I keep thinking about the scripture, study to show yourself approved, a workman who needs not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. That man studies and studies and studies. And I feel like I'm a toddler next to him because because I'm, what? No, I do, because I, I just wait till the Lord says, gives me a nugget. Then I chew on the nugget for a little while, and then I get another nugget, and I chew on that nugget for a while. So you're going to get a whole lot of nuggets tonight. I <laughs> hope that's okay. And, and it all started with a scripture that um, has just, I've just been going over and over and over this scripture um, recently. And it's in for, it's in Colossians. I don't know what got into me, and I'm writing First Colossians in my notes. I'm like, what the heck? I know this. All right, so Colossians chapter one, and we're going to start in verse nine, <clears throat> and we're going to keep we're going to come back to Colossians uh, a few times during this message, and and I've entitled this qualified. The message tonight is qualified. So let's look first at Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And this, the, this first time, I think, don't worry about the version. Um, I think I actually took this out of the English Standard Version, um, but it's fine. Most everything else we're going to look at tonight is from the Amplified Classic. So Colossians 1, starting in verse 9. Um, and so from the day we heard... We have not ceased to pray for you. I, I think we've all heard teaching about how this is a wonderful prayer that we can pray for ourselves and for others. Um, and that's part of what I'm going to be sharing right now. Um, those scriptures, not that thought of praying for each other and for ourselves. We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Father, we thank you tonight as we approach your word um, in humility, because we know that we'll get nothing out of your word without the Holy Spirit teaching us as we go. And so we are relying on the Holy Spirit tonight to enlighten our hearts and our minds with your word so that we can continue to grow up and live in a manner worthy of you. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I want to tell you a story. And I have a couple stories to tell you. But this one I was particularly excited to share because this happened to one of our daughters and her husband um, back in 2012. And they have one son. And at this time, he wasn't even a year old yet. But our, And they were still living in... Um, in the area here, uh, they have since moved to Tennessee. But our daughter Sarah and her husband Brett decided to go to a Tampa Bay Bucks game. They enjoyed going to games when they could. 
And, of course, they're all decked out in their Bucks gear, you know, and they get to the stadium and um, ready to cheer because, of course, they the Bucks were playing the New England Patriots. So it's okay. Everybody's got their favorite team. Anyway, so the Bucks were playing the Patriots, and they arrived at the stadium. They, you know, it's a long drive from Newport Ritchie or Hudson or wherever to uh, to Tampa. So they used the restrooms. But what happened next was so cool because Sarah came out of the restroom and a gentleman approached them, two of them, and he said, how would you like to watch the game from the owner's suite? And this wasn't just any guy or any employee of the team. This was Brian Glazer. And he approached them and asked, how would you like to watch the game from the owner's suite? When they picked their jaws up off the floor, they said, yes, please. Thank you very much. And um, so, and when they, after the fact, they were so excited to tell us all about it. And they did. And I hadn't really thought about that much until the Lord reminded me of it this week. Um, and so I wanted, I, I texted Sarah and I said, tell me again about when you guys went to the Bucks game and you got to sit in the owner's suite and what happened and she went over a bunch of stuff with me, and then I had more questions. I said, okay, so can you text me about this? And so, and she did. So this is what I got from Sarah, and, and these are her words now. Sarah said, <clears throat> we and about 20 to 30 other people were in the owner's suite that night. When we got up there, each seat had binoculars, a hat, a signed ticket, and other uh, swag sitting in the seats, all for them. We took pictures in front of the Lombardi Trophy. The suite was full of hot and cold food bars, whatever we wanted to drink, even brands not served to the general public in the stadium. We could help ourselves to food, prime rib, sushi, appetizers, dessert bar, lots of options. We watched the game, and about halftime, they brought out root beer floats for everyone. At one point, someone asked to see Brian Glazer's Super Bowl ring, and he took it off and passed it down the aisle like it wasn't a $75,000 piece of jewelry. She said, it was a blast. Is that cool or what? And when I, hear, when I heard it again from her after about 10 years since this happened, it was just as exciting as it was the day that they went, because this will be a memory they have for all of their lives. And I thought that was so cool. And and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, Sarah and Brett had no right in and of themselves to even think about going to the owner's suite, right? If they had If they had walked up and knocked on the door, people would have said, your seats are down there. Right or up there in the nosebleed section or something like that, um, they weren't qualified to even consider it an option. But someone who was qualified invited them. He made them qualified by his invitation. And they stepped into a room reserved for VIPs and their guests. And if anybody had said, um, why are you here? were guests of the laser. That's all they'd need to say. 
and they had a place there. We're going to go back to first, or to first, why do I keep doing that? To Colossians 1, 12, just that verse, 1, 12, because this is what struck me, and from this, the Lord brought back to my mind Sarah and Brett and their experience. <clears throat> Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. We're not qualified apart from God. We would not be qualified on our own to just walk into his presence, to approach him, to ask him for anything. We would not be qualified to be with him eternally in heaven if it weren't for his invitation to us. And what made us qualified? The fact that he asked Jesus to go to the cross to surrender himself in our place so that if we simply receive what he did for us, it makes us qualified. We become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? One big mistake I think that we make, and I know I've made this a lot, and I've tried in recent years to get past that and to put everything in the right perspective is that I have focused on how I'm not qualified in and of myself. Don't you think God knows that? He knew we weren't qualified all by ourselves. That's why he had to do something so amazing to bring us to to himself. But the fact is, if Sarah and Brett had gone into the owner suite with Brian Glazer there, the one who issued the invitation and said, oh, oh, we don't deserve to be here. We, we, it, this is too good for us. That would have been insulting to Brian Glazer because out of his own free will and his kindness and his generosity, he said, come on. I want you to be with me while we're watching the game. I want you to sit where I sit. I want you to be able to have all the cool, good stuff that I get. Because let's face it, how many of us would call ourselves givers? I love that God has allowed us to be givers, right? And the word is true when it says that it's, there's, um, it's better to give. Than, what's the scripture I'm struggling it is more blessed to give than to receive. I was struggling because that's this is just, you know, popping in there at the moment. So we need to we need to understand that we have a place in God, but the place in God we have is because he has given us that place. He's done everything necessary so we can stand in that place. Amen. Um let's look at a scripture and it's funny because I mentioned today last night that um, I was going to be in Luke 15. And he said, well, I was in Luke. You were in Luke 15 also, right? At the beginning of the chapter? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's right. All right. So Luke 15. Just hang on. We're having a conversation over here. Okay. So we're going to Luke 15, verses 11 through 20. And this is familiar. You guys know this story. And he, Jesus, said there was a certain man. Who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the part of the property, property that falls to me. 
Now, this is not someone who, who had an issue with his position in life, right? He knew who his father was. He knew what his father had, and he knew that as his son, part of that was going to go to him one day. All he did was ask for it early, right? Okay, so he said, give me that part of the property that falls to me. And he, and he the father, divided the estate between them, between the two sons. And not many days after that, the younger son gathered up all that he had and journeyed into a distant country. And there he wasted his fortune in reckless and loose from restraint living. We can have everything in the world, but it's still our choice how to use it, even if it means that we waste it. Amen? That's why I think it's so important to be led, no matter what we're doing, because God has... He may have someone he wants us to bless, right? So we just we need to be prepared for that. But anyway, that was a side note. So and there he wasted his fortune in reckless and loose living. And when he had spent all he had, a mighty famine came upon that country, and he began to fall behind and be in want. So he went, and this is so um Powerful the way it says it in the Amplified. He went and forced or glued himself upon one of the citizens of that country. You know he had to be desperate if he's gluing himself to someone and and begging for a job. And this man, this citizen, sent him into his fields to feed hogs. And he, the prodigal son, would gladly have fed on and filled his belly with the carob pods that the hogs were eating but they could not satisfy his hunger, and nobody gave him anything better. Then, when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have enough food and even food to spare, but I am perishing, dying here of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants." Well, his self-perception changed, didn't it, because of his circumstances. Was he still his father's son? Yes, he was. Did he feel like he was his father's son? He certainly didn't feel like he deserved to be his father's son, right? So all of a sudden now, he's, okay, how do I face my dad? I got my inheritance. I blew my inheritance. And I sinned. I mean, this is a good Jewish boy, and he's feeding the pigs. That's messed up for a Jewish boy, okay? So he got up and came to his own father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. The only way his father could have seen him a long way off is if that father had been looking for him. I think he had some binoculars from the buck suite, and he was watching for his son. And the minute he saw him on the horizon, he took off running to his son. That is the depth of the love of the father for his son. Notice, his son hadn't even repented yet. I'm sure his father was getting reports of the kind of life his son was living out there in the world with his once fortune and now Nothing, right? But he didn't give that a thought. The son came to the father in humility, broken, 
And the father tore off running toward the son. And he embraced him. And I love this. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with pity and tenderness for him. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him fervently. That boy was covered in kisses and slobber by the time the father pulled back, probably with tears running down his face because he was so glad to see his son again. The son he thought was dead to him. And here he was. He was back again. We have been invited to a banquet ourselves. And we know that we're going to be present at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We kind of have to be because we're the bride. And the bride of Christ is going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb with her groom. Amen? I came upon this. It was on Kenneth Copeland's website. And this was an article that was published back in November of 2021. And it was getting close to Thanksgiving, so this had a lot to do with Thanksgiving. Um, but it was so perfect that I wanted to share this. So I'll be reading some of this. Um, the article begins, as Thanksgiving approaches, you may be eagerly anticipating. Now everybody's going to go home and want to have turkey and stuffing. Um, you may be eagerly anticipating the smell of a turkey roasting in the oven. Generous portions of stuffing and the perfect slice of pumpkin pie. Uh, heaped with fresh whipped cream. It is a special time when friends and family will gather for fellowship and a time of reflection on the abundance we enjoy. Even more exciting and bountiful than a Thanksgiving table are those blessings that await us at the table of God. Maybe you don't realize it, but you have a place at God's table. However, if you don't even know you're invited, then you won't take your seat. And therefore, you won't feast on the banquet of blessing he has set before you. So what's on the menu at God's table? I'm glad you asked. You'll find an answer to every need, fulfillment of every desire, and a helping of every good thing. In short, you'll find the blessing of the Lord. This is still the article I'm reading. When you take your place at the table of God, his menu includes helpings of grace, healing, peace, and abundance. And they are all for you to taste and see that the Lord is good, as it says in Psalm 34, 8. So let's look at those, the menu items. Grace. Grace gives us access to everything we have in God. It was by grace that we were saved through faith in Jesus Christ. The grace of God keeps us. The grace of God equips us. We will be plumbing the depths of grace throughout eternity. Titus 3, 4, 5, and 7 reads, When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, because of his grace, he made us uh, us right in his sight, and he gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Amen? Healing is on the menu. How many of you would say that you have experienced God's healing in your bodies? How many of you would say that without God's healing, you probably wouldn't be here tonight? Amen. I probably wouldn't be. First Peter 2.24 says that Jesus 
personally bore our sins in his own body on the tree as on an altar and offered himself on it that we might die or cease to exist to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds, by his stripes, we have been healed. Peace. Philippians 4, 7 says, and God's peace shall be yours that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I looked up the word garrison, and it paints such a cool picture. It's troops stationed in a fort or town to defend it. And that's what God's peace does to our hearts. Amen? Abundance. There's no better way to look at what God calls abundance than going back to where we started in Colossians 1, starting in verse 9. For this reason, we also, from the day we heard it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you would be filled with the full, deep, clear knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things, that you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God, with fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. We pray, and we're going to keep going till verse 14. We pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with all power, according to the might of his glory, to exercise every kind of endurance and patience, perseverance and forbearance with joy, giving thanks again to the Father who has qualified us and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people in light. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control of the and dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, whom in whom we have redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of sins. I don't know about you, but there's no greater abundance than what God has done for us. He's given us access to himself. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We don't need someone, the scripture says we don't need someone to teach us. We have the Holy Spirit to teach us. We have the word of God. We have the owner's manual, the love letters from God himself that we can access all the time. Amen. And we can li- we line up whatever happens with the word of God. So another thing that's been on my heart a lot recently is the time we're living in. Because I'm guessing you feel the same way I do, but it sure seems like we're closer to the end than we've ever been. I know that's silly because every day we're one day closer, but... It really feels like it's close. It's close. The trumpet could sound at any moment, and we're out of here. The dead in Christ shall rise. 
and we who remain will be will um, meet him in the clouds and will be called up together. And I'm messing up the whole verse, but you know what I'm looking at. He's calling us up. So how do we live in the meantime while we're down here and waiting for the trumpet? This uh, this verse that I've looked at a couple times, this this started stirring in me probably 30 years ago or more. And it's that verse, it's verse 10, that you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord. I was remembering that when Dave worked at Paul Aeropower down here in Port Ritchie, Probably we had been married four or five years, we said, we decided when he went to work there. And I was still at home because some of the kids weren't in school yet, so I was able to be home with them. And there were uh, some days that and we'd arrange it ahead of time because it was what? It wasn't even 10 minutes from the house. I would drive down on his lunch break and we'd sit in the car and have lunch and just talk and visit. And then he'd go back in and I'd go back home. But one day when I was driving down to meet him, and I was on Ridge Road, and I'm driving along, some other driver did something stupid, and which happens a lot in Florida. And I remember just in that moment, I thought, oh, you're such an idiot. Not me. That person was <laughs> such an idiot. Um, what the heck? Why are you doing this? But in that same moment, that scripture came to me. And I thought, that I'm, that's not living in a manner worthy of God. And immediately, I just said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That was not worthy of you. I repent. And I've done that countless times over the years. And But it's still, that scripture still is just right in the forefront of my mind. If I do something more often than I would like, I'm constantly looking at it and saying, forgive me, Father, that was not living in a manner worthy of you. And that's what I want. I want ultimately to live in a manner worthy of him. Because then when I get to finally look him in the eye, I can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Amen? Amen. I, want to, I want to know what he wants me to do, and I want to do it. But in the everyday moment by moment, those are the times when I also want to live in a manner worthy of him. And I think that you do as well. And that's what I wanted to share with you today, and I hope that blessed you. It sure blessed me, especially when I heard the story of, from our son and daughter. Um, that was just pretty cool because it was so perfect an illustration to go along with that. We have what we have because God invited us to the table. Amen. And we don't go, we never, ever can get puffed up in that and say, well, I'm a, my dad's, you know, God. So never. We always have to approach him in humility because knowing that it isn't us. It's him completely. His love for us. His kindness. His mercy. His forgiveness. So that's what I wanted to share. Amen.